morning, church. How many this morning have some cruel scars? Nobody has any scars. You've got scars. You got scars. You've got lots of scars. All your time in the military, you don't have any cool scars, Todd. Okay, I'll rephrase. Does anybody have scars? Yes, we've got some scars. Now, I like to say that scars are tattoos with stories. Because you got them. I got like a big scar right here for when Deb and I were on our motorcycle and we got hit by a deer and I went, I tumbled down the road. So when I wear shorts and if you were to see it, you'd be like, hey, why, how'd you get that? So your stories are backed into, supplemented by your scar. What's the validation of your scar? Your story. And how do you validate your story? Wait till you see that scar. Like if you got one on your arm or whatever, and some people see it, it's like tattoos. You know, how did you get that? What is the story behind it? Well, our scars and our life story are often validations of our story. And this morning we're going to see that our God's word validates our story. And they intermingle between the two. Because active faith reveals God's word in action. God's word is revealed when your faith is active. The two coexist. God's word in application is your active faith. So turn with me this morning to 2 Peter. We'll be in 2 Peter chapter 1, and it's on page 859 in the Story Bible. <clears throat> page 859. Does anybody need a Bible this morning? 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 12. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able to, may be able at any time to recall these things. The therefore. When we read in Scripture, therefore, we have to ask ourselves, why is the therefore there? I'm glad you asked. Because Peter wants to remind them of their faith. We looked at the first part of 1 Peter, 2 Peter last week on faith. And what's the definition of faith? So he says, I want to remind you of this. I want to, by way I interact with you, remind you what your faith is. So guess what we're going to do now? Remind you of what the definition of faith is real quick from what we studied last week. The qualities of faith are generated, are given to us by Jesus' own divine power. Jesus who created the world, who spoke the world into existence, gives us faith. And it's a divine power that summons us to, remember, active participation, a productive faith, and a faith that eventually gains us entrance into Jesus' kingdom or in heaven. Remember, faith is invigorated by those six qualities we looked at. Interacting with people on our street, our community, our neighbors, our family, with love, 
that is evidences of our belief in God taken into action. It emboldens our faith with that inner fortitude to continuously apply our efforts in developing a character. There were all those were built upon each other of what Peter defines faith. So as we're reminded this morning of what faith really is, do you notice what Peter's doing here? Does Peter have any doubt what his faith is? No. Nah. So why is he writing? Why would he send you a letter saying, here's what faith is? To remind you. Get this this morning, church. Your reception of faith is to remind others of what faith is. It's not all about you. If your goal this morning is, I went to church service, I understand what faith is a little bit better, and check, and I'll see you next week, you've missed Peter's point. Look at what he says. He uses the word remind a bunch of times in these verses. He's trying to stir you up by way of reminder. This morning, be stirred up by way of reminder what your faith is, what it means to be a baton carrier of Jesus' good news, to share those with other people, to remind them of what real faith is. We remind them by word and action what the definition of faith is because what? You put it into action. And look, and we're going to learn this morning that God's word validates this. Peter is going to remind people of faith until when? Look what we're reading in verse 14. Till when? He dies. Who's, what did this remind Peter of? Just like Jesus told me I was going to. We don't have time this morning, but you can open the scriptures where Jesus says, Pete, you're going to die. And then he goes, what about him? He says, don't you worry about him. I'm talking to you. Look, Jesus' interaction, sharing the word with Peter, even about his death, comes up right here. And Peter says, I know I'm going to die like Jesus told me. And I'm going to remind you then until that day of what faith is. Because remember what Jesus defined Peter's faith? Because he said, do you love me, Peter? And he said, yeah, I do. And so he did it three times. And by the third time, any like oh, the rest of us would have been like, yes, already. What was Jesus' response to everyone? Love people, love God. What did Pastor Ryan teach the kids? If you love Jesus, you love what? People. You love me, Pete? Yeah. Then love my sheep. Loving Jesus means loving other people. And Peter, look at that. It's all wrapped up in this big and it just, it's so rich what Peter is reminding them because he was reminded. God's word is active. He remembers Jesus' words, and he's sharing that with them. So he's going to continue this morning in his story and how his story is influenced by what he knows about God's word, his testimony. So we have the reminder of what our faith is. Now look at 2 Peter, starting in verse 16. Verses 16 through 21. For we did not follow clearly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. 
For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention. As a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, knowing that first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Peter is telling his story. He continues, I've interacted with Jesus. He told me how I was going to die. I learned faith from him and how to love other people. So what is he doing now? He's sharing his testimony. He was an eyewitness account, eyewitness to Jesus' account of his faith, Jesus' words and actions. Peter, Peter experienced the truth of Jesus. And he experienced that the truth Jesus communicated was not a cleverly devised myth. Why is it not fake? Why is it not fake for Pete? Jesus was there. He validated it. His word was given to him. He interacted with him in such a way to validate what was true about Jesus. And Peter experienced the true power in Jesus. But also this eyewitness account of what Jesus did and what Jesus told him. Look at verse 16 again. The good news of Jesus Christ is not a clear, calculated, devised myth that he made known to them and the power of Jesus, but what's up, what else is he saying about Jesus there? The coming. That's why we're singing this song. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Jesus has promised to Peter, I will come again and make all things new. Why does Peter believe that? Because of his eyewitness account and interaction with Jesus. He's taking Jesus at his word at faith. But what supplemented it? Well, he's going into that. Let me tell you an incredible story of what interact, how I interacted with Jesus. This is true, and I'm telling you that is true, that he is coming back, and he is our Savior. In verses 17 through 18, Peter experienced with Jesus the Mount of Transfiguration. Can you imagine? We don't have any mountains in Florida. You go up to the mountain. And that's why we read the scripture this morning. Jesus takes the boys on a hiking trip. And they get to the top, and what happens? Jesus turns into the shining beacon of glory and majesty. And then the thunderclouds with the subwoofer of only God the Father, this is my son, with whom I am well pleased. Do you think that's etched in his memory? I have memories of being on top of a mountain, and that is etched in my memory, let alone Jesus transforming a person in front of me, transforming into a brilliant white. Then let alone God the Father speaking. I've always joked that those words should be in purple or something in our Bible. This is big time. It is etched into Peter's memory. It's part of his story. It's part of his God story. So why is he sharing that? Why is he writing this? Because when Jesus received honor and glory from the Father, and when the Father spoke, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, this becomes a part of the core foundation of Peter's testimony. 
The reason why you have it, the Bible in your hand right now is because Jesus took him on a hiking trip. God's word validated in Peter's life became part of his testimony, part of the story in which he wrote to be able to share with you and I this morning. What if Peter would have gone to the top of the mountain, wrote it in his journal and said, that's a cool God moment, and that's all I'm going to talk about. We wouldn't have the text. Was the Mount of Transfiguration all about Peter, James, and John? It was to begin with, Jesus like, I'm going to etch something into your memory which will propel your faith and your story about your relationship with me into the future so you can tell others to bolster their faith, to remind them of their faith. Then in verse 19, look at that with me, verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Just read that in your text. Read it again. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Does anybody just raise a show of hands or you don't want to? Does that make any sense? Is that like confusing? Peter, what are you talking about? Peter's firsthand account of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration confirmed what he already knew about Jesus in the Hebrew Scriptures. The prophetic writing of the Hebrew Scriptures were more fully confirmed because of Jesus' experience with God. Listen to me well. Eyes up. God's Word is always true, reliable. You can bank on it. It is meant to interact with your life. Your experiences with God in real life, faith to faith, will confirm God's Word in action. Look, it was never written in Malachi, Peter someday will meet Jesus on the top of a mountain. Right? Peter didn't say, hey, I'm waiting for my turn. So he has this unique experience with Jesus. And what does he attribute that to? Oh, my goodness. Everything I've studied about Jesus since his resurrection, studying the Hebrew Scriptures, this is validation about who this Jesus is. Let that sink in for a moment. Peter attributes the Mount of Transfiguration to the worthiness of the Hebrew Scriptures, Genesis through Malachi, to being validated. That's what makes God's Word so reasonable, so true. And he says, get this, pay attention, pay attention. This Word is incredibly important. Not only did it invalid, validate my incredible top-of-the-mountain experience, but it is of itself incredibly valuable. Pay attention. It's a shining lamp in a dark spot. I can think of three times in the last month where I needed a light in a dark spot. I don't know where you're at this morning. But I know some of our flock is going through some dark spots. What's the shining lamp? Jesus. Where do we learn about him? Where is he validated? Right here. Do you notice the imagery is used of Jesus is the same as is for the word of God? He's a light. The word is what? 
a light to my path. What is it typically we run from when it gets dark and our life sucks and our marriages are in rough spots or, or you know, we, got, we wrecked our car. I shouldn't say that out loud, but that was tough, Robbie. I prayed for you this week. This is the last place I tend to want to turn to when life sucks. I mean, the scripture doesn't say suck, but it says dark spot, but you know what I mean. And it validates our story. What? What? Dark spots is validation of Scripture. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. But it's also true until the very end. Peter's already talked about the very end of his life. It's got to be coming up soon. And by the way, Jesus told him it was going to happen. Jesus told us it's going to happen. Miss Joanne's sister received her last rites last night and probably is dead today. How is she interacting, my mother-in-law with dementia, this whole ending of life thing? She and her sister rode horses to school in Colorado. Imagine the memories that she could tell you that are up there. Her sister's 87 and Joanne's 80. Do we have the same mindset that I'm going to remind people of faith until the very end? Or do we graduate, clock out, and retire? Pete is into it until the very end. And get this, pay attention that it's a shining light. Pay attention, it's going to stay true to the end. And pay attention because it's crafted by none other than the work of the Holy Spirit. Where does the reason you have it in your hands come from? The Holy Spirit. Robbie, you've built some big engines in your day. And if you never put fuel and air into it and give it spark, what happens? Paperweight. If it's just words on a paper, bound either in a paperback or on your phone, where does the power come from? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the... It interacts with our life. interacts with our life enough that we remind other people about that. That our faith is active, that the Word of God interacting with us, that the power of the Holy Spirit is true, it's powerful, it's going to help us in a dark spot, and it's going to be there to the very end. All right, so this morning, you'd be like, well, that's Peter's story. That's a cool testimony. You ever been around a group of people that are sharing testimonies, and you're like, whoa, it's you ever met that one guy at work, that if you catch a four-pound bass, he caught a 33-pound bass? Yeah, you know what I mean? Or there's always that one guy at the dog park or wherever. They always got to one-up your story. Okay, how many people feel like that with Peter's testimony this morning? For real? I went to the top of a mountain and Jesus caught on fire and God spoke. (laughs) That's what I felt like. To be honest, I read the scripture. I'm like, how do we apply this to Sunday, God? I have never been on top of the mountain. Jesus turned into white, beautiful clothing and God spoke. I'm going to do something crazy, and I'm glad you're here today. You can go back and tell Jeff Gill that I did this. I want to rewrite the text. We're going to tell our story of God's Word has interacted with us, and I'm going to translate, retranslate 2 Peter 1, 16-21 as if it was us. You ready? 
Let's go. First Peter chapter 1, verse 16. For I, just pretend that's you. For I did not follow cleverly devised myths when I made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but I was an eyewitness to his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. I myself heard this very voice born from heaven, for I was with him on the holy mountain. And I have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a shining lamp in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along in the Spirit. What if this was our story? Is it our story? Verse 16. Followers of Jesus, we have a powerful testimony of God's work in our life. God has interacted with us in our, in our lives so that we can experience Jesus, experience his word, and then share it. These powerful God stories, these testimonies communicate the truth about Jesus in the way people understand. It comes in our lives, our stories. So our act of faith from new birth, from the time you come to meet Jesus until you go to heaven, God is working out his story in our lives through all the dark spaces and all the good ones. Our message of Jesus, therefore, isn't a myth. Why? Because it illustrates power. The guys and gals at work, the neighbors will see God's going to tell a story somehow in our lives if we're willing to show it to them. Jesus is power in action. It's the same Jesus that says, hey, guys, I'm going to leave and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's going to be better for you. We still have that same Holy Spirit. He wants to tell his story. He has worked in Peter's life, so Peter would then tell this story now. He has worked in our lives, so as a neon sign, the God's powerful work as our lives are lived out in front of family, friends, and co-workers and neighbors. This is where they get to see God do God's stuff in our life. So then we get to publicly declare it. We get to publicly declare Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection. And what's the cool part of the gospel? Death, burial, and resurrection and promised return. Come, Lord Jesus, come. That is our hope. We get to share the hope in Jesus' return. I love Revelation, the end of it especially. Because what did Jesus say? I'm coming to make all things new. How many of us would voted that in this last week? Jesus, come back and make this stuff new. Joanne losing a sister. That is not what God intended. Jesus, come back and make me new. I have screwed up too many times and hurt too many people. Make this body new. You promised. How many of you had a prayer like that? Yeah, I did too. That's part of our story. Not only what Jesus has done, but what our hope in him, because he's validated that, because we can hope in the promise of his return. In verses 17 through 18, Peter had his 
God mountain top moment. What's yours? Just think. What's a mountaintop moment? How am I defining that? Something that God has interacted with you in such a way that you can only attribute glory to God because of it. You couldn't have figured that out. You couldn't have done it. But God has interacted in such a way in your life that when it hits you, or when you caught in it, you're like, God, I... And then when he does his work, whatever that outcome would be, you look back on that and say, that's a Jesus thing. Think of that moment. That's your mountaintop. You've seen Jesus' work. You've seen Jesus in his glory. And your only reaction to that was what? Him. And this powerful testimony of Jesus working in our lives make us want to yell out to our neighbors, pay attention! God's word has become active in my life, and I have a story to tell. Pay attention because God is going to keep his promises. I've seen it in my life, and I especially want you to read about him and what he has recorded in his character as he has kept his promises from Genesis, and he will to the end of Revelation. Pay attention, because I know in my story that when it was really dark, God's word was a light. Personally, I love the Psalms when life is really tough. I love the honesty of them things. You want to say, pay attention because God's word will stay the same and will continue until I'm dead. It's going to outlive me. And it's going to outlive this world, regardless of what Fox News, CNN, or whatever says this week. And we're going to study here pretty soon what Peter says is going to happen to this world. God's word and God's working in people's lives, the story of that will continue. And pay attention because God's word is powerful. Because who is the powerhouse behind it? In your life, as you study the scripture, who gives it power? The Holy Spirit. Why does the Holy Spirit give you power in your life? Just so you know more? No. So then he can interact with you on your block, at work, and your family, etc. To be able to tell his story. Because the, this scripture is, this what we're studying this morning says scripture is powerful. It's, it's been orchestrated by the Holy Spirit's mighty hand, and it's true. And where is the evidence of that truth? This is sketchy ground. I want you to hear me well. In your life, Todd. Robbie, it's true. Where is the proof in the pudding? Because I went to a licensure exam and graduated Grace Theological Seminary, and I can say, this is God's word, and it's true, and I've studied in Hebrew and Greek. No. Where's the power of this word evidenced? Tomorrow morning, when the alarm clock goes off. Now, part of me is excited about this. Yes, the Holy Spirit's going to work in my life. And the other part is, God, are you crazy? You're going to trust me to validate why your word is powerful? I dropped the ball. Ask my wife. 
He said, that's where I want to tell the story. Look at Pete. The gospel ministry that God worked out through Peter is now being handed to us. The baton of faith has been handed from him to us all the way through. Experiencing God's word creates a powerful avenue for life-changing conversations. Do you hear me? Experiencing and applying and living out God's word gives you a powerful avenue for life-changing conversations because you can put it in your own terms. You can interact with the person that's sitting there across the table from you. That's when God's word takes application. It gets shifted into four-wheel drive and there's a thousand horsepower. Because you remember what the disciples said, oh my goodness, there's a tongue coming at us and we don't know how we're going to handle this. Jesus says, you're going to be persecuted and all this and they're going to drag you in front of kings and they're going to kill you probably and some of you are going to die. What do they say? (laughs) What's Jesus say to them? What's his comfort? The Holy Spirit will give you what to say. See how they connect? Holy Spirit, God's word, our lives and the testimony. Because active faith reveals God's word in action. Where's God's word in your story? Look back on your story and say, wow, that is where God worked. That is, I can see that now. Because if you've been following Jesus, he promises that this happens. So take time to reflect this morning. I'm thinking back on my God stories and where God has interacted with me, and I'm thinking, what scripture did that interact with? I can't define that for you this morning. Just think of it. When was the last time you shared your God story? God will give us these opportunities. Pray for them. I prayed for you this week. That as you interact with your world, your interaction with God will become evident as your faith becomes public with those people as you share your stories. Pray this week that God give me give me an opportunity to share the story you've written in my life with somebody else and share it. Share your story. That's where your active faith reveals God's word.